Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to radio show number 473. We've had some technical issues and so I haven't yet spoken to my guest, so hopefully uh, he's here and all will be well. Uh, We're going to be talking today about why reviews don't work. I'm Jo Dodds, your host today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is Michael King, who's CEO of Teams.Coach, LLC. Hi, Michael. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to be here yeah. with you. Lovely. And uh, yeah, a few technical issues. So we literally haven't yet spoken, so uh, I'm sure all will be fine. <laughs> so... Um, right, maybe you could start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Thank you uh, very much for that, and sorry for the technical difficulties. Um, yeah, my, my name is Michael King. I'm the CEO and founder of Teams.Coach. Uh, I'm an executive coach that works with C-level leaders and their teams to be able to clarify uh, the vision uh, and be able to make sure that they have the right systems, strategies, and structures to be able to accomplish a vision like they've never had before and be able to accomplish results like they've never had before. Um, Coming on the backside of, of COVID and dealing with some of the uh, employment issues working within organizations, this has been an incredible time to be able to be a coach and a consultant to some of America's and the world's finest leaders within organizations. Um, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. I have three amazing kids. I've been married for 25 years, and I have two dogs the size of horses. So there you go. The size of horses? <laughs> what sort of dogs are they? <laughs> <laughs> a St. Bard and a St. Verdue. And uh, I get it. Art, and oh, that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> lovely. So, tell us about what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about reviews not working. Uh, in the sort of blurb for the show, we talked about the fact that um, the 360 <coughs> review process was, was uh, introduced many years ago, and, uh, and you're challenging the, uh, the, the, the process, the wisdom of it maybe, if that's how we might describe it today. So give us a bit of background to that from your perspective. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think, I think reviews in general, by the way, um, this is not like a stab at 360. Organizations that use the 360-degree review rightly, and some of my peers, some of the people that are actually in this industry space with me, they're experts at deploying the 360 review, and they do it well. At whole, uh, the majority of people that use 360 reviews, um, because it's not – it's because it's not implemented correctly and because they're not getting accurate feedback at the time that it's most needed. It just simply falls short and creates insecurity and, uh, and, and unfortunately, um, a bunch of other uh, consequences as a result of the, of the review process being done poorly. We have to go back and kind of look at a couple of things. We have to look at the origin of the 360 review and ask ourselves whether this is still a relevant practice or not. But then we have to look at, okay, if this isn't working, why isn't it, why isn't it working? And uh, 
what are some more, I guess, relevant practices for us to be able to increase employee engagement and to make sure that we're pulling the best out of our team members at the same time as still championing the vision of the organization that we serve in the first place. Um, yeah. Going back, you okay. know, the 360 review was really pioneered by the German army back in, back in the height of World War II, and it was an internal review mechanism that was actually established within military rankings in order for them to find out um, how well a certain um, member of the military was, was performing and not just get their, their take on it, but also to be able to get the people that were directly involved with interacting with that uh, member of the military on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so it might have served well for the time that it was created consistent, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of different things to take into consideration. We're talking about the people that are involved. We're talking about communication methodologies that um, that didn't have the same technology that we have today. Um, they didn't have, yeah. you know, um, Slack and email and text messages and all these other things that we can do to, to increase engagement on a day-to-day basis. So they had to come up with something to be able to give them as much data as possible, given the context of which they were serving in. So does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so now, go ahead. So I was just going to say, one of the, the sort of issues that have, has, I think has always been um, known about sort of reviews and review processes generally is is that um, they're normally sort of a point in time and that, and that people don't, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of dealing with what's happened like now and last week and you sort of forget what happened you know, nine months ago. And I guess the other thing was exactly that, that it was just one person's perspective and not necessarily a whole sort of group of people. And I guess that's partly where the 360 came in. And we all sort of thought we were getting a much rounded, more rounded view of of, of a person. But from what, you know, we've started to say, I suppose it's it's still a flawed process. It just ends up with more people involved, (laughs) potentially. Yeah, and it's, I think with review processes just in general, the, one of the main things that, that senior leaders need to consistently make sure that they're doing is, number one, is championing the relationship of the internal infrastructure, making sure that the people that are, that are reporting to their direct reports have an accessible relationship with those that, uh, that they're serving with, but yeah. also to make sure that they're not too far away from feedback initiatives. Um, one of the things that we found that is a big struggle with 360 reviews is the cadence of which they're given. Most organizations you'd actually be surprised is that the, the, I think that the ideal in any review scenario is, you know, of, of having significant review points at least once every 90 days. Um, but with the, with the way that the 360 w- was designed, a lot of times most organizations are using it to where they're only deploying it maybe one time a year. And unfortunately getting feedback at that broad of um, of, a, of a test range per se, we're actually not finding any valuable information for development within that covered time frame. There's no way for me to talk to you, Joe, and say, hey, Joe, let's go ahead and sit down and talk about the last year and evaluate you on last year's performance. I'm not going to get anything in, the, in that data pool that's actually going to help me make you a better leader, and I'm certainly not going to make you feel better about yourself either. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, some of the issues there as, as well is that you end up as a as a leader feeding back almost hearsay, you know, what other people have said. And then when you get potentially, and I'm not saying I've I've done this, but um, I've seen it and I can um, imagine it that, you know, you're 
if you give your um, subordinate feedback that you've received from elsewhere and then they challenge it, it's really hard to come back and, and explain it further or give more examples if it's not actually your experience or feedback of that person in the first place. That's exactly right. And I tell my senior leaders this, you know, from everywhere from the CEOs that I work with all the way to, to advanced entrepreneurs and team leaders that are leading other groups of people and teams. I always tell them this is that in a review process, which is necessary, a review process of giving accurate feedback to, to be able to pull out the best in your team member and also to making sure that your, your organization is moving forward the best way possible you need to be able to make sure that there's teachable moments within there and that there's, there's some sort of agreement to move things forward. But in those conversations, in the review process, if anything is a surprise to the person that you're giving the review to, it's already a failed process. Nothing should ever come up as a surprise to anybody in a review. And when surprises mm -hmm. happen, all it does is put everybody into a reactive state and typically, you're not gonna you're not gonna find pro progress or process in that. Mm -hmm. So, what should we be doing? What is the process that works? <laughs> I think it really comes down to cadence and relationship. And I say this again: cadence and relationship, over and over and over again. Um, you know, are you? It's not necessarily, you know, what you're responsible for within a team. It's really who you're responsible for within the team. And there's implications on that that are absolutely that are that are really big. So when when I'm responsible for a team member, it comes down to okay, how many touch points am I going to have with with an with a team member within a 30 day time frame, and have we created the con construct for an active relationship so we we can consistently talk about issues along the way, review the things that are actually happening, find out opportunities for growth, discover. Uh, issues along the way and making sure that we're coming up with actionable plans as we move along um, so we don't have to get to that 90-day point or that six-month month point to we're bringing bad news to the team member. Um, mm -hmm. We've developed our team's methodology so we have week-to-week -week, uh, interactions with our reporting mechanisms. So, um, so within the constructs of the team's methodology, we make sure that there's week-to-week -week points of evaluation and documentation of the right things so we can move everybody along better. Yeah. So that sort of makes sense and, and feels like the right thing to do. And, you know, we, we talk in um, Engage Success about the enabler of an, being an engaging manager, and that involves regular coaching. But I still see often that that doesn't happen and, and certainly doesn't happen around poor performance because it's quite hard to have those conversations. So, you know, people get to the stage where they've got people that they know aren't particularly performing but they're not necessarily giving them that feedback because it's a difficult conversation to have and then it does get given at that sort of 90 day or annual <laughs> sort of time if it's not you know if it's not bad enough to to performance manage if you like and 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 think about the person perhaps not being there anymore um it just gets left and and perhaps that is part of the issue what of where it becomes a a not very good review at the end of the year or whatever, but how, how can we encourage people to have more regular, potentially difficult conversations? Because it may, it may just be what I see, but I, I think it's probably across the board that, you know, when managers have difficult conversations, they often avoid having them, and then that causes more of a problem, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Joe, because, 
you know, we, we, we say this a lot with, with the leaders that we're, that we're coaching is that if you're not able to have the hard conversations, you're not really a leader. Um, if you're only able to have the good conversations, then uh, you're probably just a cheerleader. And there's a big difference between the two. So, um, you know, we, we try to create the environment and create the construct for those conversations that have happen. And if you create expectation along the way um, and to create the construct for those conversations and, and to have the outline of what those conversations are looking like and the right reporting mechanisms, how you lead yourself and how you lead the people that you're directly responsible for will determine everything for the outcome of your team, for the company that you serve or the organization you serve. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's... I think that's a really important point of just making sure that you're establishing great protocol to be able to have the hard conversations. Um, and, but to know how to have the hard conversations in a productive way. Um, I will say this is that heading into 2023, uh, CNBC just came out with this report um, over the last couple of days, and they're announcing that, that quiet hiring is going to become the norm within employee engagement space in 2023 and beyond. And really what this means is that because quiet quitting has become such a, a, you know, such a big thing and employment staffing issues are becoming um, a a very much of a elevated issue with, with, within organizations, organizations are now having to find out that they're, that, that they're a little bit behind the eight ball. They're having to spread out responsibilities amongst their team and they're having to make decisions very, very quickly without having the bandwidth to hire the right people to fill gaps at this point. So what they're finding is that a lot of responsibilities are being spread out through existing infrastructure that wasn't necessarily built to support it in the first place. Right. And so, so in effect, people aren't recruiting new people. They're actually just getting people to do more. Is that what you're saying? Is that what quiet recruiting is? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, when, when you're developing your team to be flexible and amiable and to where they can, they can adapt to, to new conditions, um, that's one thing. But what we're seeing is just simply this, and it goes back to the question that you asked before about the ability to have the hard questions. You need to be able to be adaptable. You, mean, you need to be able to be able to move quickly. And so in order to be able to do that, you can't wait for 90 days, six months to a year to, to tell the employee that's not performing well that they're not performing well. Mm. There has to be shortened levels of engagement within there to making sure, because unfortunately, we're just not at a place in, in the corporate space across the globe, which we can, we can have people occupying spaces within our infrastructures that aren't performing anymore. So we have to be able to adjust and shift and train and develop. And if necessarily, if necessary, we need to be able to uh, do something different in the in the event that it calls for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So the idea of having more regular conversations and not avoiding difficult conversations sort of all makes sense. But again, how how do we make that actually happen? Um, Sometimes I work with organizations where um, you end up with sort of more people in the process and a bigger process and and all that sort of stuff to try and push this stuff to happen. And actually, for me, I think it's about the individuals becoming better equipped. But what are your thoughts? Uh, I think that that's some of it. I also think when it comes down to KPIs and understanding, you know, what are we measuring in the first place? Um, Mm -hmm. I I think many times 
leaders avoid having having the hard conversations because um, we have you know what we call the the gut leaders that are leading organizations. Those are the eight nines and ones on the enneagram that you know that that can kind of see when something they can feel when something's off, but they don't necessarily always know exactly what is off. And um, and those things are okay, and it takes a little bit of time for us to be able to sometimes bring definition to why a certain employee isn't working out in a space or why they're not performing well. But if we can get it narrowed down to knowing exactly the products and services that we're providing and making sure that we have KPIs or key performance uh, evaluators to come along the way, so we know exactly what we're looking for in you know, of what of what um, actually brings an, an employee to a certain level of success or not. Um, when we keep those things as far as what we are truly evaluating, what we're currently looking for, and, and bring the employee into an, an, um, a collaborative space on the things that they're being, being evaluated on, everything can change in a pretty drastic way. Um, the 360 review, the thing that we're talking about today, unfortunately, doesn't really have a lot of mechanisms built in within it to invite collaboration with the person that's being evaluated in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your methodology. Tell, tell us more about where that came from and, and, and how it actually works. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the name of my company, by the way, so teams.coach. So in any browser uh, on any device, www.teams.coach. But that's also the methodology as well behind what we do in a lot of our team coaching. So, um, and it breaks down as an acronym. So T, we're always looking at targets. What's the one thing specifically we're trying to do or trying to accomplish? E um, has the three points of engagement. How are, we do, how are we engaging with ourselves? How are we self becoming a better self uh, learner, a, a better leader? Um, how are we performing at the things that we're directly responsible for? How are we engaging with our team? And how are we engaging with our direct report? Uh, a, action steps. What are specific action steps that we are committed to to making sure that we're hitting our target? And momentum, uh, this is always a fun one because when it comes to momentum, um, it's, not about, it's not about more. It's about, okay, what, can, what are the things that are standing in the way or slowing us down from accomplishing and getting momentum? And do we have the authority and the responsibility to be able to remove those things in the first place? And then synergy is the S. So uh, how are we celebrating our wins as a team? How are we celebrating and recognizing the, the wins of the organization? And, uh, and what are we doing about that? So um, we started to implement this type of protocol within our app and also with all of our teams that we, that we, uh, that we work with because number one is, is we didn't want to be an executive coaching firm that did not have data to go off of. We wanted to make sure that we had weekly engagement points of, so we can actually measure success and measure progress. But we wanted to make sure that we were giving something tangible. We were talking about context before how do you have the hard conversations. You, you, you create the environment and then you create the, you create the, uh, the context for the conversation. So the, our team's methodology gave people an outline for them to be able to have some of those hard conversations, but more times than not, they turned into great conversations because there was something measurable for people to make growth and to be able to establish a plan for success. Lovely. And, and so how do you then work with organizations and individuals with that methodology? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways is that um, in, our, in, our, in my one-on-one coaching sessions with, with the leaders that I serve, there's, there's a version of that 
that team's methodology and that team's construct that we actually talk through every single week. So it's identifying targets and engagements, action steps, momentum, synergy. And we keep that in front of our senior leaders and our executive teams that we're currently working with. But then we're training them on how to use that with the leaders that, they, that they're leading as well. So the senior leaders taking that to the teams that they serve. We also give them different platforms to making sure that they're evaluating people fairly so they know what to evaluate people on. Um, one of the platforms that we have uh, takes everything from, from Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, to DISC, all the certifications that, all the, all the assessments that we're certified in, and it actually gives them a dashboard to show whether they have the, the people in the right seats within the organization, what are some gaps within it as well. So, um, so those senior leaders are getting trained on, okay, how can we make sure that we're getting accurate feedback and the right coaching to our team leaders, but also making sure that, um, that they're able to see them for who they really are and not necessarily just who they think they should be. Mm. Um, what about how people sort of fit this in? Because it always strikes me that we have lots of, you know, we've, we've had 400 and odd shows, um, nearly 500 shows, and we're talking about engaging people and spending time with people, and like we said, treating people individually, all the stuff that we've um, been talking about today as well. Um, and and yet our managers are all getting a job done. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it feels like we're trying to pull them away from doing the job when obviously it's supposed to be part of the job. <laughs> so how, how do we focus people on? Because, you know, you've just described quite a structured approach and, you know, almost something that people could spend all their time doing rather than actually getting, you know, the job done, as it were. And I'm sure that's what people pushing back on any of the stuff we talk about around people would say. How, how, mm-hmm. do, we, how do we get them to sort of integrate it all just naturally in what they're doing? Yeah, you know, we've created a simplified process because we wanted to make sure that we, we brought something simple that could be integrated into a day-to-day process without, without it being incredibly exhausting and taking people away from the things that they're because at the end of the day, you and I both know this, when it comes to organizational leadership, it always comes down to the dollar. It always comes down to profitability and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, but I will say this, is that I, I think that there is a shift that's coming within within leadership of understanding that, you know, it's not necessarily just what we're responsible for, it's what we're responsible for. And when the motivation shifts from being just top-line revenue to creating organizations that are people-centric and that we understand that human capital is our greatest asset. And so if our number one objective is to be able to develop leaders and to, and to develop people who can perform well within the vision and the mission of the organizations that we serve, and then top-line revenue is a mark of success as a result of us developing people, well, that's a completely different motivation than somebody or a leader that's just simply looking at top-line revenue as the main end-all of all things. Hmm. And do you really think it, it is shifting? We, 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 could, we talk in the movement often about how we can sort of influence shareholders to ask the questions of the organization to sort of drive that, that behavior, and like they do you know, about everything else sort of thing, and, and it doesn't always happen. How can we continue to move that dial? You said, you know, you think it's starting to be or continuing to be increasingly <laughs> about the value of people and, and the impact that, that that has on the bottom line. How can, how can we keep that moving forward? I think it's, I think it's internal messaging and priorities of, 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 
of business leaders and stakeholders within organizations to making sure that this stays a priority. Um, it's going to be very, very easy, just to be honest with you, um, in 2023 for us to be able to get distracted and for us to become panic-driven because of the state of the economy uh, across the globe and also just employee engagement platforms across the globe. Um, it's going to be so easy for us just to focus on top-line revenue and doing whatever case it takes to get the dollar. Um, the organizations that are be able to slow down a little bit with, um, with their, their panic initiatives <laughs> and for, for them to consistently remind themselves that top-line revenue is produced by top-line employees, plain and simple. Uh, the, 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 the organizations that have the clearest level of culture, the highest levels of emotional intelligence, the ones that have internal values that speak louder from the inside that actually are their broadcast methodology to the outside, those teams are the ones that are going to be producing top-line revenue that's going to outpace everybody else. So as a senior leader in an organization, the question really comes down to, um, are you getting distracted by the urgent need to produce top-line revenue in an economy that's, that's telling you that you have to hustle harder in order to make something, make a bigger swing? Or are you playing the smart game and controlling the cadence of that communication and getting, getting in and creating systems and ecosystems within your culture that produce the right results at the end of the day? Where you're putting your time and where you're putting your energy, if you're not elevating and developing people to turn into the best versions of themselves, you're going to lose at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you, Michael. It's been really good talking to you. We've got like three minutes left. What's like your, your top line message you want to leave with the audience? Um, well, thank you very much again, Joe, for having me on, on the show today. This has been uh, This has been a fun conversation. As we head into 2023 and, and beyond, emotional intelligence will be the number one thing that we're talking about in team leadership for probably at least the next decade, I, I would imagine. And understanding how you can build your reporting mechanisms and even your review mechanisms within your teams to be able to pull out the best versions of your teams, it will always come down to whether or not you're championing healthy relationships within your leadership infrastructure. Without healthy relationships, without high levels of emotional intelligence, you're going to end up losing some people along the way. This is a great time right now for new opportunities to arise for people that are serving on your teams and for you to also possibly dis- discover some talent you didn't know was there in the first place. So I would say, you know, build relationships, build the base and the review so you can find out what really makes your team tick and find ways that you can encourage them to become the best versions of themselves. Brilliant, lovely. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. And just to let you know, next week we've got Joe Moffat back hosting the show, and she has special guest Sarah Pass, who's senior lecturer at Nottingham Business School, Nottingham Trent University, and is also an EFS uh, board member, and James Court-Smith, also an engaged success board member, who's director at Stille. And um, they're talking about the research that we've recently been carrying out within the movement uh, about the impact of the pandemic on employee engagement. There was an event uh, just at the end of last year uh, where we released some of those findings and they're going to come on and have a chat with Joe about uh, more detail on that very topic. So uh, please join us next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.